Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Wednesday, January the 4th. And our top story today is that more crimes were recorded at Ashford International Railway Station than any other in Kent, according to new data. Lucy joins me now. Can you tell me what the figures show, Lucy? Yes, so almost 130 offences happened at the station in the 12 months to September last year. Ashford International is used by around 7,000 passengers a day, and we're told most incidents related to reports of antisocial behaviour. In fact, across the county as a whole, police were called to nearly a thousand reports of antisocial behaviour over the same time period. And how did we get hold of this information? Well, it was released after Kent Online submitted what's called a freedom of information request. Organisations like British Transport Police are obliged to provide these details if we ask for them. The data also shows more than 100 crimes took place at Gillingham Station, followed by Ramsgate, which saw 72 offences and seven oaks with 69. Now, within the story at Kent Online, we've got quite a clever interactive map showing how crime rates at stations have changed in recent years. Does anything stand out? It shows actually that Gillingham has seen the biggest increase in reports of crime. There were 42 in the year to September 2018. That rose to 101 in the most recent tally, a 140% increase. At the other end of the scale, Ramsgate saw the biggest decline. And finally, what's being done? to tackle crime on the railways and Lucy. Well, towards the end of last year, South Eastern, which operates the trains in the county, announced it was stepping up security at 16 stations. They'd secured £850,000 to do more patrols on trains and platforms. They've also brought in an extra 100 body-worn cameras for any staff who want to wear them. And British Transport Police say they'll continue to conduct unpredictable and highly visible patrols at stations across Kent day and night. Lucy, thanks ever so much. Don't forget as we mentioned you can check out that interactive map within the story at kent online to see the data for the station near to where you live kent online news detectives investigating reports of a sex attack in the early hours of new year's day in ashford have released an image of a man they want to speak to it happened in an underpass between station approach and torrington road head to kent online or follow us on socials to see the picture tributes have been left in a shopping center in ashford following the death of a homeless man Peter was often seen sitting outside Greg's in Park Mall. Shop staff have described him as kind and friendly. Flowers, candles and a teddy bear have been left at the spot in his memory. A woman's been taken to hospital with head injuries after a rock was thrown through the window of a pub near Margate. It happened at the Hazar in Garlinge at lunchtime on New Year's Day. Police have released a picture of a man they want to speak to. Again, you can see that by heading to the website. Now we're going to turn our attention next to the NHS as winter pressures continue to take their toll. And at Kent Online today, you can read how an elderly man with severe dementia was left in the corridor of Kent's biggest hospital for 24 hours. Paul Coombs was taken to Medway Maritime in Gillingham with an infection and had to wait a day before being admitted to a ward. His daughter says the care he received was unacceptable. The trust has been approached for a comment. Meantime, a special number has been set up by the hospital for anyone concerned about a loved one as waiting 
waiting time saw. Bosses at Medway Maritime say the emergency department is very busy and they're facing ongoing challenges with discharging patients. Now, the number you can contact is 07799 348608. That's 07799 348608. They're also urging anyone with a minor injury or illness to call 111 instead of going straight to accident and emergency. And Kate has been speaking to Kate Langford. She's the Chief Medical Officer for NHS Kent and Medway and we've been getting an update on the very latest situation. Our NHS hospitals are incredibly, incredibly busy at the moment. They're seeing an enormous amount of pressure of people coming to the emergency department and they're opening a lot of additional beds to deal with that pressure. Um, Other parts of the NHS are equally busy, primary care, Uh, Our GPs are working very, very hard. So there is no part of the system at the moment that is not working um, at really incredibly hard levels. So for members of the Kent and Medway community, the increased pressure on the NHS results in a blown out waiting times is would that would that be right people are having to wait longer than we would like there's no doubt about that and that's a reflection of the very large numbers of people who are coming forward for care and what i do want to say is please do come forward for care if you think you need it but we'd really welcome it if you could try and choose wisely about where you go we'd really like to protect 999 ambulances and our accident and emergency departments for really life-threatening Um, illnesses or injuries Uh, if you are not that serious what I would say to you is please use 111 as an alternative to 999 111 are set up both online and by phone and they can direct you to some other places that you can get care such as urgent treatment centres you can also find lists of urgent treatment centres on the NHS Kent Medway website Um, And those uh, are really well set up to deal with people with less serious problems. And you'll often be seen much quicker by going to an urgent treatment centre than by going to an accident and emergency department. We've seen the health secretary today has said that a lot of the pressure on the NHS at the moment has come from an increase in COVID cases and also strep A cases. In your experience, is that the case or are there other factors at play? So flu is a real factor this year. Every so often we get a really bad flu year. And of course, we haven't seen that during COVID because people were not mixing as much. But this year, we're definitely seeing a bad flu year. We are seeing a lot of people coming to accident and emergency departments who have either flu or COVID uh, or another respiratory illness. That is putting a lot of pressure on the system. Strep A, particularly in children, has also Uh, meant that a lot of people have been bringing their children forward to be seen. So that has added to the pressure. That's perhaps not quite as bad now as it has been, but we are seeing a lot of people with flu as well as COVID. And there have been some calls for members of the public to start wearing masks again and maybe taking on board some of that COVID protocol that we did have to try and keep down the number of infections. Is that something that you would encourage? What I'd say to people is if you're unwell, if you've got a respiratory problem, um, what I'd rather you do is stay at home. Anytime you go out in public and you're coughing and sneezing, there's a risk you're going to be passing it on to someone. So I'd I'd say stay at home if you're unwell. Please keep your kids at home if they're unwell. If you do have to go out, then yes, wearing a mask will help cut down the chance of you inadvertently spreading it to other people that you're nearby. Um, So those are all really sensible precautions that work just as well for flu as they did for COVID. Um, And the other thing is not to neglect hand washing as well. Kent Online reports. A Maidstone family has been left without hot water and central heating for six weeks because of a faulty boiler in their rental 
flat. The couple say they've been boiling kettles to do the washing up and wash their clothes despite countless calls to the maintenance and landlord. Housing group MHS Homes has apologised, provided temporary heaters and pledged to have it sorted this week. We were chatting about the railways earlier and it's another day of disruption in Kent as strike action continues. Just 44 of South Eastern's 180 stations are open and trains are only running on three lines. That's Dartford, Sevenoaks and High Speed via Ashford. No trains will run at all tomorrow as drivers walk out over pay and conditions. Now, the owner of a cafe in Medway says it's at breaking point as the business tries to grapple with the cost of living crisis. Fraser's Cafe in Gillingham is having to rely on volunteering from friends and family to stay afloat. Amy Azat is the owner and has been speaking to our colleagues at KMTV. The energy prices have gone up and stock prices have gone up and then that means we have to put our prices up and that means we won't get as many customers because people can't afford just to like, waste money on coffee. There's a lot of competition. Mostly every shop here is cafes or coffee shops so it is affecting us and we have to be in competition constantly to keep the prices as low as we can. To keep it up and running we need to take at least four or five hundred pound a day and that's just with uh, family staff working. My family, my daughters, my ex-husband helps out when he can. Because I can't afford to pay everybody wages so I can have a day off at the minute I'm trying to work as much as I can to pay the energy prices. This is everything to me, if I lose this business I'm going to have to start again from scratch with no money to start out with so I need to, this to work. This is why my family are helping and my friends even sometimes if they're here they'll help me do waitressing and I rely on my ex-husband a lot. If, if I need to borrow money he'll lend it to me then I'll pay him back but it's going around in a circle. But I'm borrowing it, paying it back, borrowing it, paying it back like that at a minute. They've also been chatting to Jamie, who's working as a barista for her mum. The cost of living crisis has affected us because we can't really afford to pay as much on gas and electric. The prices are so high, it costs a lot to keep this place warm. And then obviously our machines have to be on at all times, so that costs a lot to run the electric. The coffee machine, we're using it all day, so it is a lot of money. Um, and then obviously staff, paying staff, you can't call it, it's just me and my mum. Yes, it is, it's a lot of hard work. The cost of living has affected us really bad. Well, in summer, we've, I actually forgot how busy it was in like summer. And now when I do get a little bit busy, I panic a little bit because it's like it's been so long that it's been quiet. And then when I do get a little bit busy, I'm like, oh, what do I do, what do I do? I kind of forget how to work like that. In summer, we were flat out. We couldn't even sit down for a minute. We had to constantly be on our feet. We had more staff then as well because we were that busy. Um, we could have had staff just to have like someone doing the washing up. That's how busy it was. But now it's like you kind of get lazy and you forget how it like used to be, sort of thing. We will get there. Just takes time. Well, a spokesperson for the Department for Business says its energy bill relief scheme will see some pay less than half the wholesale cost of energy this winter. Kent Online reports. Hundreds of people in Kent have signed a petition to try and tackle what they describe as a pothole crisis. Drivers have been left with expensive repair bills because of damaged roads in the area. They're calling on the County Council to fill in more than 60 reported potholes. Bosses say some of them were caused by last month's freezing weather and they're working to fix them 
as soon as possible. 100 homes are going to be built on land in Deal, despite dozens of objections saying it would lead to a loss of open green space. People near the site on Cross Road were also concerned about an increase in traffic. Developers say each house will be detached and have an electric vehicle charging point. A councillor's urging police to do more to tackle anti-social behaviour in Chatham after fireworks were set off in the street on New Year's Eve. Video footage at Kent Online showed chaotic scenes on Luton Road at the weekend. There have been no arrests, fines or cautions so far, but officers instead have given advice to people in the area who may or may not have been involved. An historic cinema in Sittingbourne has shut down because of rising costs and falling trade. The new century showed a film for the final time last Thursday. Other business owners in the area hope the old Odeon building can be revamped into another social venue. And we've been chatting to Sarah Seabridge. She owns the Yellow Stocks micro pub not far away and has revealed that there's been a lack of footfall in the area, especially since COVID. People just don't come out to do things like they used to now that since COVID. It's a sign of the times. People tend to stay indoors now, watch things on the telly when you've got everything there for you. Get a takeaway, you don't need to go out. But I really feel for them because I know how hard they've tried to keep things oh, going indeed, there. Yeah. Really yeah, worked hard. Years. A lot of volunteering involved, you know, it wasn't just being run as business and it's sad and I mean again it's another thing at this end of the high street which is gone. I, I mean I really, really feel for them, really do. I mean we've got a lot of customers that come in here on their way there and they love going there because yeah. they feel it's a family run kind of business and they feel yeah. at home, comfortable, uh, you know, sad, very sad. Well, with the bingo going as well, I mean, we used to yeah. see a lot of people down there, I mean, yeah. and it was a social venue, you know, yeah. and again, where are people going now? Are they yeah. just sitting at home online rather than socialising? I think that's not good for society when people don't socialise. And obviously, there isn't that draw down here, you know, I mean, it's such a shame for the businesses down here because we've got a nice lot of businesses in this area. I mean, and things like Casper's Ice Cream Parlour, I mean, whether they'll keep going, I mean, they've struggled all through this. Obviously, yeah. being there with the cinema, it kind of all worked and, uh, yeah, I've, I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, hopefully there'll be some development, I mean, the wheat shoes up for development, if that gets its planning or the go-ahead and they build a new kind of pub there, then that might draw people again. There isn't really a lot this end, <laughs> you know, yeah. except for nice and nice little bespoke shops and cafes and us. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. What, what can we do? Kent Online News. Graffiti has been sprayed on an ancient wall near Rochester Castle. Work's now underway to get rid of the red and green paint near Bowley Hill. Council bosses are liaising with Historic England. Developers have officially launched a bid to build Herne Bay's first McDonald's as part of a multi-million pound plan to expand a shopping complex. The drive-through would be at Altira Business Park in Broomfield. And the proposal also includes a B&M, food warehouse and a builder's merchant on the site. Details of the project show the restaurant is earmarked for a 
a patch of former farmland will seat as many as 60 people at a time and have an outdoor play area. Student accommodation in Rochester could be turned into houses of multiple occupancy. Plans have been put in for a building that belongs to the University for the Creative Arts, which is planning to close its campus in the town later this year. If the plans are given a go-ahead, the biggest of the buildings would house 42 people. And former clothes shop in Whitstable is going to be converted into a cafe aimed at helping people with their mental health. Revival has been without a permanent home for the past two years. Well, I've been speaking to Deborah Haylett, who's the executive director, and started by asking what a difference it'll make to have a base. It's hugely important, and we've we've noticed it from, from people that do come along to the group. They're very well attended, but it's quite difficult sometimes for people that are looking to get help or support that they that they feel confident and comfortable where they are in a premise that they belong to where where they're going as well and as much as it's been fantastic that we've had little satellite groups and we've been able to maintain them across Whitstable for people to know that they've got somewhere that is there all the time if they don't feel like going on the one day that the group might be running in a cafe they can pop in on any other day and they can talk to our trained staff um, about it be signposted to what they might need find out what else what else we're going on what, what else is going on but also it's for funding we can once we're in a premise we can go out for funding for other work for things that we know people are screaming out for we've our recent survey um, and feedback has shown that there's a, a, a desperate need for some sort of support or talking service or, or, or peer support for carers um, for adult carers, uh, especially, but also a space for, for teens, for young people. And we will be able to try and raise some funds to be able to run youth cafes on Thursday and Friday evenings. Sounds fantastic. Can you tell us a bit about the building then that you have found and what you're doing at the moment to get it all ready? So the building itself is is quite an iconic shop within Whitsable. It's Woolies Menswear, which has been there for years and years, um, but it's been empty for about five years now. Um, it had previously been tried to be taken over uh, by Cafe Nero um, in the, at the beginning of COVID, but they couldn't do it, obviously, COVID pressures, etc. So they pulled out. Um, so unfortunately, they sort of ripped all of the lovely original features out of the shop and half of the roof. And it was just not weather tight. And it's just been ravaged by the weather and being empty. So we've we've got to do a whole refit and repair of the roof. We're opening out the back so that we can have a small courtyard area. Um, we've also got there's an upstairs flat and we're able to use that as a multi-use space so we can rent it out at weekends and different points in the week as as a let a holiday let um, but then the rest of the time we can use it for groups for projects for individual therapists that might want to hire the space um, so yeah proper multi-use space that will help fund as well any income from that goes straight back into revival to help us fund the mental health work that we do. It sounds fantastic, but as you say, quite a lot of work still to be done. When do you think you will be open? Because I know, the, as you say, the fundraising is still going on at the moment, isn't it? Fingers crossed in the spring. So end of March, probably around the Easter weekend, um, we'll have a soft opening week where we have some of the people that we work with and attend our groups can come and be in the space themselves at a quiet time to get used to the space and feel at home in the space. And then stakeholders to come and invited to have a look at a look at the space 
and what's going to be going on and what we hope to achieve. And have you found, Deborah, that over the past couple of years, even though you haven't had your permanent base, you have had more people seeking out your support? Because for an awful lot of us, it's not been an easy 2020 onwards, has it really? No, no, exactly. And I think when we first started um, the peer support groups, they were they were definitely smaller and there were people just looking for connection and feel, who'd been feeling isolated. Um, across the, the course of the last two years, it's it's just exploded. And, and hence why we've gone out to find as many different ways as we can to support people through creative wellbeing, through projects, through walks, through talking circles. Um, because, yeah, the, the, the number of people that we've got that, that are needing more significant support, they're actually looking for specific support for their mental health. And we're very lucky we can... We are tied into uh, the local mental health network. We have our own wellbeing social prescriber, and we also work quite closely with the um, Whitstable Medical Practice social prescribing. So we can signpost people to the help and support that is available. There is help and support available, um, but often people just don't know about it, or it takes them maybe one or two times of talking about it with somebody before they then take that step. So they come to our group and they can have a chat and they can learn from other people that may have accessed different types of support and build the confidence to go for that support themselves. Um, so yes, it's it's a it's a definitely something that has got as is more and more, and, and we're more than aware that, as I say, people are wanting to have different types of groups and support for specific things that are happening in their lives. Kent Online Sports. A footballer has left Sittingbourne FC after being threatened by racist behaviour. The club has confirmed Mario Kesaka has quit after what happened during the match against Sheppey United on December the 27th. An investigation identified a visiting supporter who's now been banned from the Woodstock ground indefinitely. And staying with football, the new owner of Gillingham has been telling fans why he decided to invest in the club. Brad Gallinson flew in from America to watch their defeat at Stevenage on Monday and will be hoping to lift them out of the League 2 relegation zone. Well, let's hear what he's been saying to the club in an exclusive chat they started by asking when he decided to invest in sports in the UK. Probably a year process, most of 2022, uh, we looked at a number of clubs all around the country um, some big, some small, some higher table, some lower table. And Gillingham kind of combined a lot of things that we were looking for. Um, it's a terrific catchment area right outside of London. You know, the only EFL club in Kent. Um, huge fan base, huge corporate sponsor sponsor base, um, a nice side stadium. And really, as I describe it, is just a lot of raw potential. Um, Gillingham also has diversified businesses around the pitch. So it helps to build a sustainable team. Um, And those are kinds of the things that we were looking for. And Gillingham had most, if not all of those. Now, although you've got plenty of ideas, we could probably sit here all day, couldn't we? Going through your your ideas and and, and wish lists. But what are your immediate priorities in the short term and then in the longer term? Yeah, so the short term, I think nobody will be surprised, uh, is upgrading the club. Um, we need, like I said, a tune-up. We need help. The people need, the players need help. And January is the time to do that. So the short term for sure is to give help to the team to uh, move up the table. Um, as far as the medium and long term, there's a, there's a lot of exciting things to do once you sort of accomplish that. Um, the whole business um, is around the pitch. So, of course, you have to be strong on the pitch. And then 
as I said, there's there's a real diversified businesses around Gillingham, the factory, um, the Great Hall, the GFC school. Um, all of those kinds of things need money and need help to grow because, again, it builds one giant sustainable business, not just for the club and for the fans, but for the whole community. Um, they do a lot of important things here, um, and the idea is to keep expanding it and keep it more sustainable and grow it and profitable. Um, and lastly, really, is to bring in more fan and sponsorship participation. Um, there is a tremendously dedicated fan base. Um, I think I read there's over 75,000 businesses just in the immediate Kent area, and all of those should be engaged positive, positively around the businesses and the pitch. I'm going to come to the businesses in, the, um, in a second. You did to the January transfer window, which is, of course, now open. We've already signed uh, Tom Nichols, but I'm sure the fans will want to know, uh, plenty more, is there plenty more scope to, to strengthen the squad? Yeah, the, the plan is to strengthen the squad. Um, as far as numbers, it's hard to promise something, um, but January is definitely a crucial time. It is by far the highest priority for the club, um, for the staff, uh, for the manager, for everybody. So the answer is positively yes, the plan is to upgrade um, and become more competitive. Sports would also probably like to know the involvement of, um, of, of Paul Scally, who remains a minority shareholder at uh, a Gillingham Football Club. What role is he going to play moving forwards with, with you as chairman? Yes, so um, part of this due diligence process is I've gotten to know Paul very well. Um, he remains a minority shareholder um, and a board member. And um, our thought is that someone with his wisdom and his experience and his dedication to the club um, is only an asset to push us forward. So the idea is to use his strengths and use his participation um, and rely on his experience to continue the club moving forward. I can hear in your voice, you're very excited by the, the challenges that lie ahead. You must be very, very enthused for the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an exciting sport. Um, it's like nothing I've seen in the entire world. Um, in, in the United States, our sports are, there's no pyramid, there's no relegation, there's no promotion. Um, there's no sort of heart on the field because you really have nothing to lose. You either make the playoffs or you don't make the playoffs, but you're always in the same league. So it's something that I've never seen before. I mean, the passion of the fans is is tremendous. Just walking around Gillingham this morning, stopped on the street, people shake your hands. You know, they give you advice about strikers, and it's just a it's a terrific, terrific system. Their next match is against Premier League side Leicester City in the third round of the FA Cup this weekend. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning with the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.